Um, I'm sorry, Ryan, where I'm reading something, and that's why I'm being quiet. Um, so, there's a minute in, so. I mean, breaking news right before we start doing stuff. Okay, uh, I'm good to go. Sounds good. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that survived the long night's endgame. My name is Drew. I'll be the host for the evening. Along with all, along with me, always, is my brother, Peter. Hey, everyone. When are you going to get a catchphrase? <laughs> I'm working on it. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. So, normally, if this is the first time you're listening to the show, a lot of times we uh, talk about what we're watching and reading first, and then uh, we talk about some news, and then we hit you with a top five episode, top five list at the end of the show. However, I need to start off the uh, news with something breaking that hit me right before I hit the record button, and that is as of today, um, I'm sorry, not of as today, as of April 30th, the news just was announced today that actor Peter Mayhew, who played Chewbacca, has passed away. Um, he was the age of 74. Um, this is, to those of us Star Wars fans, this is devastating, um, but he's one of those actors that was getting up there in age and... You know, this one hits really close to home. Um, I got a chance to meet Peter Mayhew. Um, he was an absolute joy to meet and talk to for a few minutes back in the day. And, you know, anytime we lose someone from a franchise we're... Uh, a franchise that we're a fan of, anytime we're a, we lose someone like that, it always hits because these are the things you grow up with, whether you're a kid or a big kid. You know, they just bring a joy to your life and then... You know they're gone. So, any thoughts on that before yeah. we move um, on? Because like, yeah, like, I mean, uh, Peter Mayhew is one of the few Star Wars actors I've ever met. Too, um, I think the first time I ever met him, I saw him at uh, Wizard World Chicago, and I just kind of walked up and shook his hand, sort of thing. And then uh, I met him again a couple years later, same scenario at a convention, and uh, me and my friend actually talked to him for a couple minutes, and not even Star Wars related stuff, we just kind of talked to him about the con, but he was super approachable, and uh, yeah, he just seemed like a great guy, I mean, I'm sad to see him go, um, I mean, who doesn't love Chewbacca from Star Wars, you know, like, he brought, like, such a great character to all of us, too, so... Right, yeah, and my, my, you know, I gotta be really honest, when I first, you know, started watching Star Wars, Chewbacca was always just a, I, he was always a take it or leave it character for me, he was never one of my favorites, but over the years he has grown and grown and grown on me, very much, and then you get to meet him, and then it's a whole new level of appreciation for the character, he, uh, he was really gracious with his time when I got to meet him. And yeah. he talked to me about because I had a I had some costuming questions for him because I thought the mask from A New Hope to the mask in uh, Return of the Jedi were two completely different masks because of like the style of hair and stuff like just because of the change of hair and stuff and he's like and he talked to me about some of the differences and all that stuff but it was it was just really cool to actually get to some behind the scenes stuff from the actor itself um, I did. When I met him, he signed, I have, from the old Decipher card game, I have Chewbacca's card signed by Peter Mayhew, the Japanese one, mm -hmm. because at the time, I did not have the regular English version, so 
I mean, it's kind of cool. The Japanese. I, one I had I had the cool Japanese too. one on me at the time, and I was like, "Oh, Peter Mayhew's here," and I was like, "I was yeah. going to get my card out," and I was like, "Oh, I don't have the English one," <laughs> so I just think it's cool that I got the Japanese. I mean, one it kind of I think it kind of makes it a, even more of a unique possession, though, that it's the Japanese version. And I mean, I'm assuming he probably doesn't do a lot of Japanese conventions and stuff, so it might be right. like a one of a kind sort of thing, right. maybe. Um, if you didn't know, uh, Peter May, who played Chewbacca for uh, Star Wars Episode 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7, um, he did a little bit, from what I understand, uh, for Episode 8, but it was mostly the new actor playing Chewbacca, because then the new guy plays Chewbacca in uh, Solo as well, so mm-hmm. um, he was with us for a long time. Can I share a uh, Peter Mayhew moment that sure. I love that's like... It's this is really sad news, but I think it might. It's like kind of a lighthearted moment, so I thought it'd be good. But have you ever seen the? Uh, there's a YouTube video that goes around, and it's the uh, throne or the uh, not the throne room scene, but the very end of New the New Hope when they receive their medals. Yeah. Okay, that scene without any music. Have you seen that before? Uh, not without the music. Okay, so I don't know if it's. The actual effects from the character... I'm assuming it's the actual effects that was on set, and it's not like somebody went in and added effects, but basically it's all the characters walking down the aisle and getting their medals, but there's no music in it. So it's everyone in the audience is completely silent, and they walk down the aisle completely silently, and it's just really awkward. And like at the end of A New Hope, you see R2 rocking back and forth almost like he's dancing but when there's no music he's just rocking back and forth randomly and there's this moment well they have to shoot everything without the music yeah exactly but um so there's this moment when uh it shows peter mayhew as chewbacca walking down the aisle and uh he you know he lets out like a typical chewbacca whale or whatever you want to call it but they didn't have that sound effect for when they were filming. Like you said, they add the sound in later. And uh, Peter Mayhew, you see him open up the Chewbacca mask, and he just lets out this, like, high-pitched scream. <laughs> it's, like, distinctly human, but just this weird high-pitched scream. And it is, like, the funniest thing. And I think, like... Never, I'm going to have to find that now, because mm-hmm. I've never seen that. And seeing, like, documentaries and stuff about the making of Star Wars, it seems like... When they filmed A New Hope, none of the actors knew that it was going to be this big, epic, awesome thing. It's like a lot of them, I think, were under the impression that this is like a weird, goofy sci-fi movie that nobody's going to care about. Like, nobody understood it was going to be, like, the movie to change all movies. And I think, like, the idea of, like, I like to think that Peter Mayhew throughout the whole film was doing these weird screams on set because, you know, George Lucas is probably saying him, like, saying to him, like, no, you need to sound like a space ape or, you know, <laughs> let out a scream. Right. And, like, they probably just, I imagine them having a lot of laughs about the whole thing. Right. So. Right. Well, um, it's really sad to see him go, but at the same time, he was he gave he gave us some really great stuff, and uh, I'll always remember meeting him and whatnot. So um, as far as, you know, for me, for the Top 5 report, you know, Peter Mayhew, rest in peace, and thank you for what you brought to us. Um, you have anything to add before we move on? Yeah, same. Okay. All right, well, let's move on. Let's talk about some fun stuff. So, today is May 2nd, 2019. Um, 
Let's talk about things that we watched, Peter. Okay. Um, I'm going to start with you because I have a list. Okay. Um, so. I've been watching pretty much nothing but Game of Thrones. Oh, good. <laughs> so, All right. I'm still, it's a long show, so I'm still working on catching All right. up. Um, actually, I can say I finished watching that show The Act on Hulu that I talked about a couple oh, weeks yeah. ago. Uh, that finally ended, and that, uh, that show's really good. It's really interesting. I mean, if you're into true crime and just really messed up like real stories i'd say check it out so cool yeah. <laughs> all right uh well so let's start with this um gotham has come to a close i finished the i i, I watched the finale of gotham um i waited for the uh, final two episodes to stack up on the dvr so i could watch them back to back that was weird um okay. how about this i'm very happy with how the show ended i'm very happy with the show as a whole um, what was weird about it was the second to last episode felt like the actual finale to the show. And then, so at the end of the last episode, this is a spoiler, second to last episode, Bruce Wayne leaves. Now, if you've seen the movie Batman Begins, Bruce Wayne goes off to train and learn how to be Batman and stuff so he can come back and then he's Batman when he returns. When he builds the Batman thing when he gets back. So at the end of the second to last episode, he leaves to go do that. The last episode is 10 years later, him returning mm -hmm. as Batman. Okay. So it's almost like the second to last episode is the real finale. And then the final episode of the series, they did one episode as if it really was Batman's first like foray That's really into bizarre. the world of Gotham. Okay. Um, so like all the characters had like the proper costuming to be the characters like penguin like he had he gained weight he had the top hat on riddler had the proper jacket on catwoman looked like catwoman like all the characters properly looked like the said characters they had the spotlight everything was exact it was almost like we're going to do one episode where we're <laughs> going to give you the batman show okay <laughs> um that's what i thought was weird yeah i was like wow this is a completely but the other reason I thought it was weird was you've dealt with the actress who's played Catwoman has been with you for five years, five whole seasons, and then the final episode of the series, they changed actors because they did the time jump, so they so she had to be older. But was Bruce Wayne the same actor? Or you no? never got a clear look at his face because the only time you saw him was when he was behind a Batman costume. So I think, oh, weird. I think okay. it was a different actor in the Batman costume because he had to be physically larger. Well, I mean, that's... It seems to make sense. It's just a weird way to end a show. Like I only I think it's weird because they did the. T it's, it was. It almost felt like another show. Yeah. But overall, I really enjoyed it. And to be honest, I kind of want them to give me a Batman show now. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but it, that's very bizarre. Instead of like Smallville, where they, you didn't get to see him in the Superman costume at all. In yeah. That very last shot when he just opened the shirt yep. and you saw the S on his chest. You know that was cool. But they kind of looked at Smallville and went, no, we have to do the whole thing as if we have Batman already. You know what I mean? It was almost like they were doing Smallville Batman style. Yeah. And then instead of doing a finale where you don't get to see him in costume, they showed us everything. You know, mm -hmm. they gave us everything we needed. So um, I just thought that was kind of a weird way to go. But at the same time, it was really satisfying if you're a Batman fan. Um, I watched, uh, I've been watching Sword Art Online. I don't watch a ton of anime. But the show was recommended to me a long time ago. I, it's f absolutely fantastic, incredibly smart writing. Um, the first, there's three seasons on Netflix. There's, how about the, let me rephrase that? There are two seasons on Netflix, and then there's a side alternate story, like a kind of like a spinoff story, which yeah. is really good. 
And then the third season is airing right now. So I've been watching that because it's been stacking up on the DVR. So, again, just fantastic. A lot of fun. I really want to delve into this one. Like, I love watching anime, but I'm with you where I only have time to watch, like, a couple series here and there. I don't watch a ton of it, but um, if someone recommends it, I will always check it out. And Mm -hmm. this is really good. Um, And then, hey... uh, (laughs) Obviously, I've been watching Game of Thrones because the season's going on right now. It's fantastic. Um, I'm really happy with everything so far, but I'll talk more about it when Peter catches up and we can do maybe a deep dive on <laughs> Thrones. Okay. Um, that sounds awesome. But uh, Avengers came out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is going to roll right into news. Um, so, Peter, you have not seen Avengers yet. No, I haven't. Okay. I have seen it twice. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I also have a newborn kid. And no, I know. And are crazy. I like, I, I want to see it, but I just haven't been able to. And I, I knew it was going to be hard to get to at this time. But So, this is going to roll us right into news, but here's what we're going to do. Normally, what Peter and I would do at this point, if this is your first time listening to us, is we would give you, like, a review and actually talk about the movie. What we're going to do tonight is we're going to do something a little different because Peter sees the yep, the movie tomorrow. Yes. Okay, you got your tickets and everything. You're good to go? No, we're just going to go and buy them at all the right, theater. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've heard that second weekend there's a lot of theaters already sold out. So I thought that was okay. I thought that was really awesome to hear. Um, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what happens, I guess. Um, so what we're going to do uh, is... Peter and I are going to do a real, like, a heavy discussion next week on the show after he's seen it. But what I'm going to do in true Marvel fashion, for the sake of spoilers and not ruining it for anyone who by now hasn't seen the movie, when we close the show tonight, stick around after our theme song. When we roll the theme song, stick around, and I'm going to come back on and give you guys... After Peter's gone, I'm going to talk to you guys about my initial thoughts of the film, and I'm going to give you some tidbits of things that I liked and didn't like, and then when Peter's back, him and I will really dive in. Yeah, this is really, this is actually interesting, because I don't think, when we do talk about the movie, I don't think I will have heard your thoughts on it. Absolutely. And that's what, so when you talked, okay, so like, (laughs) when you talked about Captain Marvel while I was gone, I, uh... I was like, oh, that's interesting. I actually don't know if I agree with that and that, but whatever. So I'm like, I guess I won't come in with a bunch of, like, counterpoints prepared, but it'll be interesting not having any idea what you thought. Right, exactly. Um, So I just thought that'd be kind of fun for the listeners because in true Marvel fashion, they're getting something bonus credits, which is a feeder into what happens on the next episode. So um, anyway, because uh, because of Avengers, I did want to point out a couple things in terms of news. So obviously, Avengers is raking up tons of box office dollars right now. You know, one point two billion dollars opening weekend global—that's insane. And as far as I'm concerned, I really, really want them to topple Avatar. But right now, in terms of pacing, they're going to take over everybody. But the next thing they got to pass is Titanic before they can even get to Avatar. Now, can they do it? I believe they can. But here's the thing. When Titanic and Avatar released, I know Avatar was 2009, so it was 10 years ago. But the reason I'm saying this is that times were different in terms of movie-going experience to where they are now. In just a short 10-year time span, our attention span is uh, shorter, I feel like. So, like, a lot of times people will go, I saw that already, and immediately move on to the next thing. I feel that goes with a lot of stuff. So the staying power of Avengers Endgame has to be there to overtake these other two films. Yeah. 
The other thing I will say before you make your comment mm-hmm. is that I feel that Avatar, I'm sorry, Endgame is already a better success story because Avatar and Titanic both got dual releases in the same year, which counts against their total box office. So if you just look at the single release of Avatar, there's a good chance that um, <laughs> it overtakes in its entirety. Right. I mean, that's an interesting comment. I mean, you could say, like, a movie has to do well enough to get that second release in the first place, though. Well, Avatar was re-released for Oscar push. Okay. Not necessarily because it was that good or not good. It was a, hey, we just want to remind everybody that this movie came out because the Oscars is coming out. Which is almost like, hey, look at this thing again. You know, and obviously people went and saw it, but it was almost unfair because the initial box office... I bet you Endgame takes overtakes that initial box office. Oh yeah, you I'm see sure. what I'm saying. Avatar had like kind of a weird, like it was a big movie, but then it was kind of a word of mouth of people saying like, "Oh, you got to go see this." And like, really, what a lot of people were saying is like, "It looks really cool. You got to go see this." And look, it's been ten years, and we're still waiting for the Avatar sequels. But what I do know about box office dollars compared to Avatar versus Marvel, no one's going to Avatar Con. That's true. Well, that's the thing <laughs> so, is like... Or Titanic Con. Avatar had a... Um, I know a few people who would go to Titanic Con, but I won't be there. <laughs> um, Avatar had uh, this big like push that you have to see it in IMAX 3D. Like right. you have to. And so everybody's paying like 15, 20 bucks per ticket, which also jacks up the yep. box office price. Which, which interesting about it is I, th- I think it's funny that you say the Avatar 3D because that's going to come into play when we talk about our list tonight. Oh, yeah, Um, for sure. Because I noticed something, and I thought it was really funny when I was putting together my list for tonight. Interesting. So we'll talk about that Um, again. Oh, the last thing I wanted to say is, like, I know a lot of, well, some of our listeners might be too young to even have lived through it, but when Titanic came out, like, Titanic to me was very unique because it was, this only happens, like, once in a while, but it was a movie that literally everyone saw. Like, I didn't know anyone. Everyone saw Like, I didn't know one person, and I was in fourth grade. Like, I was too young to have even seen this movie, and I didn't know anyone who didn't see it. Like, any of my classmates, any of their parents, any of their grandparents. And I don't know if Endgame is at that point yet, but at the same time, Endgame is going to probably get more repeat viewers. So, I mean, they might overtake both. My first showing of Endgame... Uh, it was a standard packed theater because it was opening week. Yeah. My second showing of Endgame, there were a lot of old people in the audience. Okay. So in nice. terms of grandparents going, there were a lot of grandparents in the audience. Yeah. So, um, well, with the box office dollars, I thought this was kind of cool. So Endgame, adding Endgame to the total, the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe, all 22 films, has raked in over $20 billion. Okay. That's insane. Now, it is all 22 films together, <laughs> but that's insane. Yeah. So, congrats to Marvel for that accomplishment. <laughs> um, does, and that's only theater tickets, or does that include that's only that's only, bo- that's only box oh, office wow. dollars. It's only box office. Um, there's a couple things I wanted to point out, which I thought were really kind of funny. Um, actually, well, here's a fun one. Um, this is directly from uh, Joe Russo um, about Tom Holland. Okay. I thought this was really funny. Tom Holland, who plays Spider-Man. <laughs> This is, he says, uh, in, in regards to Avengers Endgame, Tom Holland does not get the script. Tom Holland gets his lines, and that's all he gets. He doesn't even know who he's acting opposite of. <laughs> we just... 
we use like every vague term to describe to him what's happening in the scene because he has a really difficult time keeping his mouth shut. Yeah. <laughs> that made me laugh so hard. Um, and there's uh, another fun little tidbit I pulled, but I have to wait till Peter's not here for the post show. So like I said, <laughs> stick around. Um, um, did you ever hear about how he spoiled uh, Infinity War for an entire audience? Uh, I did, but I don't remember what so he said. So it was like, this is an Infinity War spoiler, just warning you guys. <laughs> but uh, so basically he was doing like a little like he was going to introduce the movie to some theater audience somewhere. <laughs> like it was a special thing. Like Tom Holland was going to come out in front before the movie, say a couple things, and then they were going to roll the movie. And this was, I think, opening night. And uh, so uh, I guess what Tom Holland did is he thought it would be funny to come out and go, hey, guys. I'm alive. <laughs> and the whole audience was just silent. And he's like, oh, you guys haven't seen the movie yet. I'm so sorry. And I just thought that was hilarious. But he definitely has a track record of spoiling. Things, yeah, so. so I just thought it was really funny when I yeah. saw that quote. Um, so, yeah, I will talk more Marvel stuff after the thing. I don't even want to tell you, Peter, if I like or disliked the movie. Because you and I were talking before we hit the record button that sometimes when someone says I liked or didn't like the movie, sometimes it already, like... That, to me, is almost a spoiler because it gives me a weird level of expectations going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I will save that and for I'm, when I'm you're the, I'm the type who's, like contrarian in a weird way where I'm like oh you thought this movie was good huh well I'm not gonna like this movie I'm gonna find everything wrong with it right. when I watch you know it. and that's that is exactly <laughs> something that goes through my head every time like for example when Avengers 1 came out the level of hype the oh my god you have to see it this is amazing I love it I love it I love it this is absolutely amazing ruined Avengers 1 for me because yeah. I remember walking out of the theater going, that's what everyone was in. Like, I was almost <laughs> like, meh. I'm like, why is everyone raving about this? And because I started, like, it was almost like I went into the movie in the intention of looking for plot holes. Mm -hmm. And no offense to the guys who put that movie together, Joss Whedon, but that movie's littered with plot holes. <laughs> There's a lot. Uh, regardless, Avengers 1 is still a good movie, but... I walked out of that movie not liking it because everyone wouldn't keep yeah. their mouth shut about how much they loved it, and I it the hype just ruined it for me. Yeah, it, that same thing happened recently with me with the uh, Red Wedding on Game of Thrones. As oh. like, oh, that's that's it. That's what all the hype was for. Oh. I expected right. more. <laughs> well, speaking of Game of Thrones, let's move off Avengers real quick, and uh, we'll talk normal news. So, in Game of Thrones, this is not a spoiler, but it kind of is for you because you're not there yet. Okay. Okay. But I'm going to be hyper, hyper vague so you don't really know what I'm talking I've, about. I've had a couple things spoiled for me, but honestly, I still enjoy okay. every well, part this, of the show. This is regardless. how vague I'm going to be. If anyone... So the most recent episode of Game of Thrones that aired this past Sunday was titled The Long Night. Okay? Massive battle sequence takes place in the episode. That's not really a spoiler to you because you know there's battles in Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a character makes an attack on another character in the episode. And there's and it was a really great like, uh, not only maybe a defining moment but a very iconic sequence of events. But even though people were saying, "Oh my God, it's amazing! I loved that bit," it got some criticism online. Okay. Okay. This is what I thought was funny. Some Dungeons and Dragons experts pointed out that the attack that the character used directly reflects a Dungeons and Dragons action sequence in the game. 
okay. Dungeons and Dragons. And it is very clear based on the character's type mm-hmm. and background that that character would be able to do that specific Game of Thrones oh, feat. Okay. And it's legit. You got to tell me what this is once I catch up. Okay. That sounds that's it, very interesting. And how about this? If you've seen The Long Night, it's the big kill at the end of the episode is what I'm talking about. And when I say the big kill, you understand what I mean by the big kill. Um, but, yeah. How That's hilarious, that? yeah. <laughs> so I just thought that was really funny, and it made me go back and rewatch the sequence, and I'm like, oh, my God, it really is that from Dungeons & Dragons. <laughs> and I don't know if the writers did that on purpose or if that's these Dungeons & Dragons guys, like, you know, reading yeah. into it. So, um, okay, so that's kind of a spoiler if you haven't, but, hey, you know what? Um, yeah, hopefully if you heard me say spoiler, you advanced a few seconds. Um, so uh, a couple other things. Um you mentioned, let's jump back to Star Wars real quick. Okay. You said, you brought this to my attention right before we sat down. Yes. So, uh, go ahead. So, do you want me to read the tweet? Well. I guess I have to at this point. You're going to have to read, you're going to have to read the tweet, but how about you set up the tweet, so. Okay, so, set up the tweet. Okay, so, essentially what happened is uh, <laughs> Star Wars, The Rise of... Spoilers, Skywalker. Uh, the title has been announced, right? That's Episode Nine's title. Uh, the, um, it's, there's not a word missing. The title of Episode Nine is The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, that's what I said. Well, you said right? spoilers, like you were oh, hiding right. a word. <laughs> the Rise of Spoilers, Skywalker. Yeah, I was um, like, he's not hiding a word. It really is The Rise of Skywalker. Um, so anyways, Star Wars uh, has officially released the foreign titles for this movie as well. Um, and there's been a development. So if you want to stay spoiler free from episode nine i would skip ahead a minute or two because i'm going to say something this very well could be a spoiler so echo 500 on twitter tweeted this out he said so they finally revealed the title of episode nine in my language polish in parentheses in direct translation it means star wars skywalker resurrection i wonder if it has any hidden meaning yeah. Same here. <laughs> so yeah, same here. That happened. Um, here's the thing. My, I had two opinions about this when I heard the title. Opinion number one: Luke Skywalker's coming back, and he's going to be the first Force resurrection. Uh, title number two: um, Luke Skywalker is uh, not. Sorry, they're going. The Jedi are no more, and instead of being called Jedi because the Jedi's have to end. The Jedi's will, um, uh, the Force users will now be called Skywalkers. Yeah. So either way, I like it, <laughs> but now hearing the Polish thing, I don't know. It makes you wonder. I was just thinking, um, I know a couple, probably more than a couple episodes ago, we were talking about uh, Revenge of the Sith and uh, how a lot of people didn't understand certain intricacies in that movie. Yeah. And I was just thinking, like, wouldn't it be amazing if Episode Nine, if there was a Force Resurrected... And I don't know how they would pull this off, but what if Luke actually was Force Resurrected, but not everybody realized <clears throat> that's what happens? And it's kind of like this hidden, subdued thing that you have to figure out. I think... All right. As cool as that <laughs> sounds like maybe on paper or in my head, the general collective will not like that at all. 
Well, that's and like, that's they're, okay with they're me, gonna I get guess. they're gonna get a lot of like <laughs> you guys you guys totally messed this up hate mail basically. Well, I I like I was just thinking like what if there's some really intricate thing where it's still the movie as a whole makes sense to the general moviegoer, but it's just something kind of similar to. Uh, Revenge of the Sith, where there's a lot more deeper stuff you can dive sure. into. So that's, I guess, all I was hoping for is like something really sure. intricate and deep like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, well, uh, moving off of that, uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, which is the Star Wars theme park in Disney, uh, Anaheim and Florida. They, um, you, ha- if you want to go, you have to book a reservation for the park. Um, all the ho- once they announced the dates for uh, the opening of the park, uh, both Anaheim and Orlando, as soon as the dates were announced, those hotels booked up immediately, and now everyone was just waiting to get into the park. Yeah, the reservations went on sale this morning, sold out in two hours. Jeez. So if you had any inkling of going to star wars galaxy's edge anytime soon uh good luck (laughs) um and i'm sorry if you didn't get your reservation but they are officially booked and you can't go (laughs) we can put it this way it'll be almost as hard to get into as it will to go see endgame (laughs) just kidding (laughs) well at least it at least it thought that way in my head when i was trying to get my tickets for endgame i'm just so i'm just imagining what if you booked a hotel and you didn't get a ticket to go into the park like, could um, you imagine? Like, what would you do? You're just like, I guess, I, I guess you could. You could just cancel your hotel that's reservations. That's true. Yeah, that's a good but, point. You know, that's <laughs> you know. But then again, you had your hotel room booked. It's kind of like when, uh, if you got to travel to go to a convention like San Diego Comic Con, a lot of times they announce the date for San Diego Comic Con. Well, you have to book your hotel when they announce the date. But that doesn't mean tickets are on sale yet, mm-hmm. because tickets go on sell out just as fast as the hotel reservations. Do, yeah. So. Um, you gotta if you want to do big stuff like that you really got to learn to understand what order to do certain things in so it's probably better to get the hotel reservation first (laughs) um so star trek nickelodeon and cbs looks like they might be getting star trek an animated television series interesting yeah so (laughs) this this put a big question a big question mark popped up and floated over my head for about an hour when i read this article there's not much in the article it's just basically very early stages of development uh back in the day there was a star trek animated series um i don't really know how well it did i've only seen a couple episodes of it like like 60s maybe 70s they had one Mm -hmm. um I've only seen a couple episodes, nothing much. But when I but Nickelodeon and CBS are working on a new Star Trek animated series. That just doesn't seem very exciting. So have they released like a screenshot character art or anything? No, they haven't released anything. It's just this is announced, it's in the works. The reason I say it doesn't sound exciting is because I like Star Trek. I've watched a I've watched a ton of Star Trek. But um it's very character driven. And, like, morality tales. So sometimes you get an exciting, action-packed episode or movie. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you get a slower-paced character arc, character development episode or movie, which is more based on, like, science. I don't know if that lends to the animated format. Like, when you say, hey, we're going to do an animated series of Star Wars. Well, Star Wars is about war, and it's very action-packed. You have lightsabers and explosions and guns, and you know what I mean. Yeah. So... 
Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting take. When you said, as soon as you said Nickelodeon was in on it, I got like this vision in my head that it was going to be kind of like a uh, goofy, like Teen Titans Go-esque version of Star Trek. And I was just like, I know that's Cartoon Network, but I no, just felt but like it would fall in line with all those new that, silly that could be kind of That could be kind of funny. And I only say that because it, re- it reminds me of sort of like a C-Lab yeah, uh, twenty ten or twenty 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 one twenty twenty one. Yeah, Sea yeah, Lab twenty twenty one is really funny. And when I watched that cartoon back on Adult Swim, I always thought that should be a live action series. <laughs> yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if they were to go something of that route, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But it just struck me as odd because of the animation. Aspect, oh yeah, yeah. You know, it'll it could be cool though. Like they could get like I don't know what time period in star trek it'll take place but they could get some of the original actors to do voices on the show yeah. and stuff and so if maybe... not if not there's a lot of voice actors who could handle it <laughs> yeah <So>. for sure <laughs> um so let's see uh here's one that really got my attention got me really excited disney plus app looks like this is a rumor mm-hmm. now like i said today's rumors are tomorrow's spoilers but this is a rumor as of right now um they looks like they are, have a Willow TV show in the works over at Disney Plus. This is awesome. Yeah, this is my first time hearing about this, but I'm all for it. I am all for this. Yeah. Um, and this makes me want to hurry up and get reading. Um, <laughs> I'm currently reading. Uh, I'm currently reading Star Wars Battlefront uh, Twilight Company. This was an actual recommendation that was given to me. I've kind of gotten away from reading Star Wars novels. Um, I used to, I've read a ton of them. Yeah. And then after the new slate of novels, I don't feel like the writing is up to par. So I started reading this new one because it was recommended. And I'm like, all right, I'll give it a shot. But there's a series of books, and I've talked about this like episodes back, um, called like the first one's called Shadow Moon or Shadow War or something like that. There's like three books that take place 13 years after the events of the movie Willow. Mm-hmm. Like with the characters and everything. It takes place thir- 13 years after. Um, which, uh, the, the idea of that's really cool. I've always liked Willow. Mm-hmm. I've always liked it. And I've gone back and rewatched it now. The movie still holds up. You know, for being an 80s fantasy movie, like, the special effects aren't nearly what Game of Thrones are or, like, a Lord of the Rings. Yeah. But the movie still holds up. Um, but these books, uh, it makes me want to hurry up and read those books if we got a TV show. Oh, yeah. Works. yeah you know what I mean? Awesome. Like, not that I need the source material, but it makes me wonder, are they going to use those books? Because those books were written part co-written by George Lucas. Mm-hmm. So are we going to get, you know, like, are they going to deep dive into that a little bit? And Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. I mean, it'd be cool. I haven't read those books, but it would be cool if they did use them as, like, maybe a backbone for the series, um, especially because uh, I feel like if there's, like, that one book series that's easier to use as a template than all of the Star Wars expanded universe. Like, I know they didn't want to... They kind of threw all that out the window when they started doing the sequel trilogy. It's not that they threw it out the window. It's that they said this doesn't line up... They threw it into a dumpster and lit it on fire. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) What they did with the Star Wars novels is that they had all these novels written, but it had nothing to do... They were, like, authors just playing in the world. They were playing with the sandbox of Star Wars. And then when Lucas decided he wanted to make 7, 8, and 9... Well, those books don't line up with George's original vision, so they said that those books aren't considered canon. They're yeah. considered a legends category, so like they're they're legends and myth and all that stuff. But and that I know that angered a lot of readers, 
Um, it didn't anger me that much, but I did look at my shelf going, why did I read all these? You know what I mean? Almost in this weird <laughs> hindsight, if I would have known, maybe I wouldn't have read all this. Yeah. Well, um, I, the way I look at it is those are all stories that are still out there and you enjoyed and right. I think and they're I, definitely worthwhile. And at the end of the day, you know, I loved reading those books. They were great. So I can't, I don't, well, not all of them. There's some stinkers in there. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie, but, <laughs> um, but it did kind of turn me off from Star Wars novels for a little while. Um, so, uh, but in the movies and the television shows, they're actually like, and mostly in the television shows more than anything, they're looking at the old Star Wars novels for material. So that makes me kind of excited. So in a really weird way, some of that stuff's going to be coming back and be considered canon. Yeah. And I love that. Like, I think part of, uh, the reason they got rid of the extended universe or is it expanded? Expanded universe. Whatever. They got rid of that because like they don't have to be beholden to all this crazy continuity all the time. They don't have to worry about, like, well, this character can't be doing that because he's supposed to be doing this. Um, So, yeah, I mean, if they're using that as inspiration for the shows and future movies they're doing, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, Well, and then, uh, so Willow is a rumor. Um, So I'm excited. I think that'll be great. No, that'll be great. I know... Me, you, Scott, and Sean are going to just watch that a ton. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for the Willow show if it really is a thing. Uh, so let's talk about a trailer real quick. Uh, the Sonic the Hedgehog trailer released. Yeah. Did you watch it? What yeah, you, I watched it. What are your it. thoughts? Um, Quick trailer review. I think my thoughts actually line up with a lot of what other people are saying on the internet where I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of what they're doing. And that's only because... I grew up with, I I wasn't a huge Sonic fan, but I used to watch the the Sonic cartoon back in the day, and I don't remember them ever like having to explain Sonic's origin or the origin of his world and stuff. And I felt like watching the trailer, I felt like they felt like they had to over explain everything in the movie. Like they, I feel like there's going to be an explanation of why Sonic is fast and kind of like Sonic's origin story, but then they're also giving Robotnik's origin story where. What I would want out of the movie is just to dive into this kind of surreal video game Sonic world and not necessarily worry about the why of it all and just kind of have a fun tale, I guess, that I'm going to go for a ride on. Focus on story. Don't worry about the why. That's how I felt. Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, the the, the trailer opens and you see the rings. That I thought was awesome. That was awesome. But at the same time, like when they did the Mario Brothers movie back in the day, they didn't take that level of care of the source material into the film like That's they true. did, but not that level of care. So this is that this is that thing where you look at you look at the success of the Marvel films and you look at the success of something like Aquaman and you say, look, the only reason anyone's gonna take this seriously is if you take the source material seriously. Right. So I physically I thought the trailer looked good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, seeing like the robots, seeing the fact that Robotnik looks like Robotnik, seeing Sonic, and I'm okay with the way Sonic looks. I know there's <laughs> been some criticism with, wow, he looks kind of creepy, but I'm okay with it. Yeah. yeah. I think Sonic exists in a weird... I was talking to some friends about this, where he exists in a weird space where he could be more realistic or he could be more cartoony, but he's in a weird middle area, and I think that's throwing a lot of people off. Right. I guess. So I don't know... I don't know what would be necessarily the answer. I would probably lean for, like, if they made him a little more cartoony, but 
It doesn't matter to me. Like, I might see this movie, but I'm not super excited for it. I'm not going to rush to see it, but I will end up watching it because my kid likes Sonic and he likes things that go fast. What did he think of the trailer? Has he seen it? He did, and his response was, I have to see that. Okay, well, that's the ultimate test and really all that matters. It is because that movie is clearly geared towards a child audience, and, (laughs) you know, that's all that matters if they're excited and they want to see it. Done. Yeah. Well, it's it's hilarious that a kid your son's age would say, I have to see this movie while all these, like, 20 and 30-something-year-olds are online <laughs> complaining about it. So. I know. I know. <laughs> it's because the internet thinks they're right. Right. Um, well, anyway, uh, that actually brings us to the end of the news. You want to talk our list tonight? Yeah, sounds good. All right, sweet. Uh, list time, Ryan. So, uh, punch it. for the top five. Okay, uh, so this was my pick. Um, this is a goofy pick for a list, in my opinion. I, I didn't realize how like on the nose it was for the time period for what we were doing tonight. Okay. okay? And let me explain why. So I thought to myself, the reason this list came up in my head was we haven't done a year in a while. I know we did 2018, but that's kind of a given because 2018 ended. We haven't done a list where we discuss a year, uh, a year's movies. Mm-hmm. So I thought to myself, what would be a cool list to do? Well, Big Bang Theory comes to an end. Gotham comes to an end. The Marvel Cinematic Universe as we know it for right now comes to an end with Endgame, um, which I'm going to come back to the Avengers thing in a minute because it's really funny. Um, and I just started listing off all these other things like uh, Supernatural is ending. Like, all these things are ending. So I was like, hmm, end of the world as we know it. Hmm. Wait a minute, we lived through that already. It was 2012 yeah. when the Mayan calendar ended. So I thought, let's do movies from 2012. Okay? <laughs> so, bizarrely, that's the. So, Endgame came out this year, and we're discussing movies from 2012. That's the year Avengers 1 came out, which that struck me as really odd. Yeah. I didn't. I, I knew <laughs> we'd have some Marvel films in there. Yeah. I, I thought we'd have at least one Marvel film in there, but it made me laugh when I saw that Avengers was on the, on the short list, basically. Um, so just to give people perspective, as aside from Avengers, um, uh, Argo was the best picture in 2012. Um, I saw 70 films in 2012. I do not know if I saw them all in, um, I don't know if I saw them all in, uh, the theater, but I know I saw 20, uh, seven, 70 movies in 2012. The other thing I think is funny, remember how I said earlier in the show that Avatar's Avatar did the IMAX 3D like experience and like 3D before Avatar came out was kind of a gimmick. Mm-hmm. And then Avatar came out and everyone went, "Oh my god, we have to make everything in 3D." Yeah. And this big jumble of 3D films came out. So movies that were 3D that were not new movies and when I say that, I mean Titanic 3D came out in 2012. I didn't even Beauty know that was and the, a thing. Beauty and the Beast 3D came out in 2012. Finding Nemo 3D, Monsters, Inc. 3D, Star Wars Episode One 3D. I saw that like, one. There's a ton of them. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight films that were old movies with 3D conversions in 2012. Probably because of the Avatar influence. That made me laugh. I just wanted to give some quick year stats before we dove into this list because I thought that was pretty crazy. Yeah. So, 
Um, do you know how many movies you saw in 2012? No, and I don't know if I'm ever going to count for a full year. Because okay. I guess my view on it is like, <laughs> I know I saw a lot of movies this year, but I remember I started looking at all the ones that came out, and I think I saw a lot that I didn't like. So I kind of felt like I saw a certain amount that I liked, and that's what matters to me. So, so. <laughs> when we do a year, yeah. when we do a year, the way I compile my list is this. I will write down every. I will go. Th- I'll Google the list of movies that came out for the year. Yeah. I'll write down every single movie I saw, because I have to narrow it down to five. So I write down every movie I saw. Then I go back and make a short list, and then I narrow it down to five. Okay. But when I got everything written on the paper and I just kept going and going and going and going, you had to count. I all. had to count. Okay. <laughs> so Fair and enough. I know I've counted it. In other times that we've done years, so yeah. I thought to myself, I'm going to start counting and always know how many movies I saw in specific years. But I was b- blown away that my number was 70 <laughs> yeah. for the year. Um, well, anyway, um, I don't have too much more to add to that. But, uh, yeah, let's talk um, Let's Our talk list. the list. So, yeah, uh, since it was my pick, you get first honorable mention if you have one. Yeah, I've got two honorable mentions. Um, this is a big one that I'm kind of knocking off right away. But uh, my first honorable mention is The Impossible. So oh, I know this okay. is, we talked about this a lot on our dis- disaster movie list, and this is a great movie. Um, I think it's awesome, and everybody should see it. It only makes an honorable mention for me because this list is just my top five favorite movies, and it's, I guess, in my opinion, like, I kind of looked at it of, like, it's a Saturday, which movie am I going to want to sit down and watch by myself, you know, which ones do I keep coming back to, and I'm so glad that I saw this movie, but I don't know if it's, like, the movie I'm always itching to rewatch is the only thing, so. Sure. I got you. Um... Okay, so my first one, and we've talked about this one as well back when we did time travel movies, is Looper. Oh, yeah. Have you seen Looper? I still haven't seen it. (laughs) Um, Okay, well, um, if you haven't seen Looper, you should. It's a really great, it's a really great time travel movie. Very smart. Plays by by the rules it creates, and it's... I told you my dumb... It's just super well-crafted. I told you the dumb reason I never saw it, right? No. Back then, I said... uh, just maybe you did. I don't remember. <laughs> I just when it came out, there's something that bugged me about. I just didn't feel that. Um, and now I'm forgetting his name. I didn't think that Bruce Willis and uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh yes, I remember you saying like, that. Which is kind of dumb, and I really should re- go rewatch that movie. But <laughs> you should because they did prosthetics to uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's face to uh, make him like they did some prosthetics to his mouth to make it look more like a young Bruce Willis. Yeah, but did it really look that much like it? I thought it looked I thought it looked fairly well actually. Fair enough. <laughs> um, what's your second uh Oh, so my next honorable mention is uh The Woman in Black, uh oh. the Daniel Radcliffe horror movie. Um this is an interesting pick cuz uh when I was in high school, I went on a school trip to uh London and uh this was a this is actually a play that uh frequently plays in the UK and uh I got to see the play live years before the movie ever came out. Yeah, I remember when and, it came um, out. It was I think the play is better than the movie. It's the only play I've ever seen that's actually made me jump from being scared. So I was like super impressed impressed with it and then the movie came out and uh I think the movie's really good, too. I've mentioned before... I know I'm talking a lot about my honorable mentions, so my apologies. <laughs> okay. but I've mentioned before, like, uh, like, recent horror movies have kind of gone back to the... 
you know, trying to actually scare you, trying to have a good story, not necessarily relying a lot on gore. And I feel like this fits right in with that. Like, this is a classic gothic horror tale that's really good, and it doesn't rely on, like, gore and gross-out stuff to make you enjoy sure. it. So like just a legit scary ghost story, basically. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. All right, well, uh, my final honorable mention is The Hunger Games. Okay, nice. Yeah, um, this made my short list. I, I really liked the movie, and um, I'm really... Uh, Jennifer Lawrence was great as Katniss, but The Hunger Games, uh, I loved the books as well. So I was just I was just sold on it prior to going and see the movie, but it just I, I wanted to mention it just because I really liked it. I haven't watched them in a while. I wonder if I do wonder because a lot of things have changed in the world since those movies have come out. I wonder if they still hold up. But yeah, this one was uh, I really liked the Hunger Games movie. I remember seeing it and it got me really excited and uh kind of a weird thing is i have seen all of them except the last movie and i don't know why because <laughs> like, i've had the opportunity to watch the last one but something for some reason i just haven't had the urge to actually sit down and watch it so right i don't know all right <laughs> i did the same thing with the Diver- divergent series like I, was, I watched all of them up to the last one and then i was like I was <laughs> I was told how about this I watched the first one it got it was enough to make me watch the second one I enjoyed the second one I was planning on watching the third one and I was told not to <laughs> okay so um, I don't know how that series ends yeah um, all right fair enough. Uh, Actual list. Actual list. Yeah, these are ranked. Yeah, no, I know. Because this is a year. When if this is your first time listening to us, when we do a year, we actually rank them. So, what's your number five? Yeah, uh, two seconds before actually talking about the list, I was like, "Oh crap, I have to make sure these are ranked." <laughs> so, but I think I've got the uh, right order for me. So, the first one I want to mention is the Amazing Spider-Man. Oh. This is the. Um, I'm forgetting everybody's name. The Andrew, Andrew Garfield. Garfield. Yeah, the that movie. I think um, this is a movie that I was not excited about. I was a huge fan of the Sam Raimi uh, Spider-Man movies. Not as much the third one for uh, reasons that we've all heard a million times. But that when this movie came out, I felt like there is no need for this movie. I don't want to see another reboot of Spider-Man. Give it a little more time. I thought the same thing. And I walked into the theater, um, and I was pleasantly surprised. I think, in certain ways, like, the one thing I don't like about the movie is I felt like they made Peter Parker a little bit too much of a cool guy in this one, where I wanted him to seem a little more nerdy. But as far as, like, the actual character of Spider-Man in the suit... I thought they, like, totally nailed it. Um, I'm a big fan of the series. I'm one of the few people I talked to who actually loved the second, uh, The Amazing Spider-Man 2. I actually really like that movie, and almost everybody I talk to hates it, which I think is interesting, but... uh, I don't hate it. There's pieces of it that I have problems with, but overall, I really liked the second one. Mm -hmm. But I was... I... After I saw Amazing Spider-Man, I regretted not seeing it in the theater. Really? Yeah. I, I was the same boat as you. Oh my gosh, I do not want to see this movie. Why are we doing this movie? Why why now? It's too soon for a Spider-Man reboot. Yeah, I was really impressed with that one. So though both of them were really great. So Yeah. Um that it? Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my number five is Cabin in the Woods. Oh 
you're right. This did come out this year. Uh oh. <laughs> this no, it's might fine. really no, screw no, it. <laughs> it might have made an honorable mention. But I love when I mention something and you're like, Oh, oh my god, I forgot about it's this. It's funny because I looked at. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's a stupid mix-up. Keep keep going on. Okay, Cabin, in, Cabin the Woods. in the Woods. Um, if you don't know this movie, this movie is absolutely. F- this movie is amazing. It's, it's. This is. When this when I saw this movie, all I thought to myself was they're never gonna make a good horror movie again, <laughs> because they not only does this movie legitimize every horror film, but it like takes it to this level of like realism, like in a really weird way. How like every horror movie is real, every horror movie is connected, every horror movie is a part of this overarching giant story that's always been a thing. Yeah, um, but the the science fiction. The sci-fi twist to what's going on real world compared to what's going on in the cabin. And this was a, it's just a fun movie from top to bottom. Like it was so well written. It was so well crafted as a story. This movie almost didn't release at all. Um, cause Chris Hemsworth is in it and they didn't, and they didn't release it until they saw the success of Avengers and then went, Oh, we have this movie that Chris Hemsworth is in. We should put that out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this, it, I do you have thoughts on Cabin in the Woods? Like, um, it's awesome. Like we talked about it a lot on our uh, horror movie episode yeah. last Halloween, and uh, I know like we both kind of brought our own theories to it and had like a really good discussion. Um, I love this movie. I'm kind of man. I'm debating <laughs> if I want it to. No, it might have made an honorable mention, but it, I'll keep it off my top five because, yeah. Okay. I, d- I did see it while I was preparing the list, and then I think I forgot to write it down, but it's sure. all good. <laughs> all right. All right, dude. That's cool. Well, what's your uh, number four? Okay, my number four is Wreck-It Ralph. Ah. So I loved this movie. This was a movie that I just thought the whole nostalgia of it, the sort of video game world they created was amazing. I remember watching the movie and... Uh, the this, first this movie makes me cry every time I watch it. Really? Oh yeah, every time. Okay. The like which part? I'm really curious. Uh, mostly the end stuff. Okay. It's like it's at the end when he's like in the final battle. Um, the final battle, at right after the final battle where he's gonna go save uh, Vanellope. Yeah. Um, and then there's something else that makes me cry every time I watch the movie. But go ahead. Um, the first time they show uh the arcade close. And all the uh, machines shut down, and all the characters travel through, uh, like the outlets on the back of their game. Oh, I and know. They all like meet in the. Uh, and the arcade's got this own. It's like its own little city. Yeah, and it's like they all meet inside the uh, the surge protector. And uh, when I first saw that, it was like the coolest thing. Like this is so awesome. The I idea. Be there. The like, idea that the surge protector is almost like a train station. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's a that's that's a really cool thing because. Then he goes to have a drink at Tapper, which mm-hmm. is another video game about bartending. So he's like in a bar, but it's actually yeah. the other video game on the other side of the arcade because he just traveled over there. Yeah, really, yeah. Re- just a brilliant way of creating that fictional world. Oh yeah, it was awesome. And then like this is another one that I've seen a lot of times, and I notice something new every time I watch it. Like oh, I didn't catch that reference or whatever. All what's this, your what's your favorite video game reference? I had one until you pointed one out to me, and really? then it completely changed. Is it well, so? I I always love the uh, Metal Gear Solid uh, exclamation point. So that, 
when I, when I watched the movie the first time, this is one of those this is one of those movies that I did not originally wait for the bonus scene at the credits. Okay. So when I watched it the first time, my favorite video game reference was the Metal, Metal yeah. Gear Solid reference. Um, and if you know Metal Gear Solid, the reference stands out. If you don't know Metal Gear Solid, it's not <laughs> that easy to explain. It's really a question. It's really an exclamation point that appears on the screen. But and it's a blink and you miss it kind of reference. Yeah. But that was my favorite reference just because they made the reference. Yeah. But then you told me about the bonus scene and then I went and rewatched the, the credits. Bonus scene was. The bonus scene is the Donkey Kong kill screen. Oh, right. And now that is my favorite reference. <laughs> I forgot about yeah, they have yeah. a kill screen at the yeah. end of the so, credits. Yeah, yeah they that's do awesome. The, at the, the end of the the credits roll and you see Wreck It Ralph in the game form and then there's the kill screen. And if you know about Donkey Kong when you get to a, when you get to a certain level, the memory card in the game Donkey Kong can't hold. They can't produce any more levels, so the game freezes, and it's called the kill screen. And if you get that, like that's like a high score moment in mm-hmm. terms of world record high scores. You have to have like you almost you almost have to have a world record high score to have that happen. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. All right. <laughs> oh, that being said, I was gonna mention. I still haven't seen the second movie, and I don't know if I want to, just because from what I've seen, like, it looked like a lot of it was a big, like, Disney advertisement and movie form, and I don't know if it actually panned out that way, but I'm just, like, nervous, too. I've seen it. I don't want to say it's a Disney advertising platform. Yeah. But there's a lot of advertising in it. Yeah. But the advertising is completely warranted only because they go to the internet. And Mm -hmm. if you look at the internet in any form it doesn't matter if it's google yahoo disney starwars.com yeah. our website anything there are ads actually our website does not have ads except for our own we advertise ourselves but my point is you can't go anywhere on the internet without an advertisement for something yeah so with that said um the movie has a lot of advertisements as um in the form of the internet Mm-hmm. So they there's Amazon, there's Google, there's Facebook. You see all these things on the screen because they're in the internet. Yeah. So I don't want to say it's a Disney advertising montage, but they do go to Disney.com. You know what I mean? So you get to see a lot of stuff and there's a lot of Disney jokes. But in the end of the day, it is still Wreck-It Ralph. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Fair enough. All right. <laughs> I'll check it out eventually. It's just... <laughs> sure. I'm still nervous, too. <laughs> uh, do you want my number four? Sure. Uh, my number four is Avengers. Okay. Now, I remember what I said earlier in the show. My original response to this movie was I, w- I did not like it. Um, but that's my original response based off of the overhype from everyone. Yeah. And, I mean, it was a lot of overhype. And I didn't get to see the movie for the first, like, two weeks. The movie was in theaters. And I had to sit and listen to so many people talk about their love for the film before I got a chance to see it. So that really ruined the movie for me. At the end of the day, the movie is a really great movie, and we don't get to Endgame without this movie. I mean, we don't get to Endgame without Iron Man 1, but this is the first big, like, crossover where you went, oh my goodness, Marvel was made it, they, they did an experiment to try and do this thing. And yeah. It was, and, it's, and it's really good, and it really lays the groundwork for things to come. Mm-hmm. That's the first appearance of Thanos and that kind of thing, so... Avengers as a whole is a great movie. And I sat and I remember I got sick and had to be in the hospital for like a week. 
while I was in the hospital, I had a- I had access to a mini film library. I watched Avengers like five times while I was in the hospital. Oh, okay. Um, I started watching it because I'm like I gotta I'm like I was lucid enough to watch it, but I was like I need to. Um, maybe if I watch it enough times, it'll like turn my mind around. So I still see plot holes and there's still some things I don't yeah. like in the movie, but overall I really like the movie. So, um, but when I stack it up against things this year, it definitely stands out as one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. So, um, I love the Avengers. I think, um, so there's a lot of criticisms for it and there's actually things I've noticed too, where I feel like the cinematography of the movie itself, I feel like, isn't the best at certain points. There's certain scenes where I feel like they're shot almost more like an old TV show scene than like a proper, like, epic, like, movie sort of uh, photography to them. But at the end of the day, like, I went to see this movie. I think you actually waited longer to see it than I did, but I saw it, like, opening weekend. And I didn't, I didn't and, wait out of, like, defiance or something, yeah. like, oh, I'm a DC fan, I'm not going to see that movie. <laughs> Life was happening, and I yeah. couldn't go. But but I think it's, like, where you waited and the hype kind of killed it for you. Yeah. And That's basically what happened. I saw it opening weekend kind of before the hype, and the feeling that I got in that theater was just, like, it was magical. Like, it was... I got so excited, like, it was so much fun, and this is, like, like, I was excited for the movie, but I didn't, I think I left the theater more excited than I walked in, and that doesn't, that doesn't usually happen for me, um, there's certain parts of the movie, like, the, uh, the uh, montage scene in the middle of the battle at the end with the Chitari, where it's going around. There's like a big like sweeping camera shot where it goes around to each character each, and each character e- gets each their moment. fighting. Yeah, and that like to me felt so much like reading a comic book. And I was like, man, I've never seen a movie capture this feeling of reading a comic yeah. book in this way. Since then, I don't think it. I don't think in this day and age, it's still the best. I think there's other movies that have surpassed capturing that feeling for oh, me. Oh, definitely, but, but this is 2012. Exactly, and, and at it, the time know. it was, I feel like it was magic. Yeah. So We're discussing 2012 only, right. so I totally understand what you're saying, <laughs> yeah. but at this moment in time, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, um, what's your number three, man? So my number three is Argo. Oh, so. hey, we matched <laughs> on a number three for oh, this movie. it was number three for you as well? Yep, that's hilarious. <laughs> so um, this movie, as you said, was the best picture. Um, this one is just like, there's not a lot to say because it was just a really solidly done movie about a very interesting story. Yeah, not only was it, like, solid is like probably, I mean, that's one word for it, but I mean, it was so well written, so well crafted. Um, writing, crafting a story versus writing a story. So you craft the idea of the story, like storyboard, outline, that kind of thing. And then you got to write all the dialogue and nonsense. So the writing was great. The story crafting was great. The cinematography was great. The acting was top notch. The directing was top notch. Kudos to Ben Affleck for putting the whole thing together. Like, you know, but the Argo is, it's, Mm -hmm. it is a fantastic true story movie. Mm -hmm. So, and it's, it's just like a really weird thing. I kind of want to like. So my experience with Argo when it came out was I heard everybody talk, like the movie was getting a lot of hype because it's really good. And it was just like, I didn't know what it was. Like everybody was like, oh, it's Argo. You got to see Argo. And I'm like, what does that mean? They're like, don't worry about it. You just got to see Argo. 
And I saw, I think it was Kevin Smith actually posted a, uh, he tweeted something out about how, uh, is it Mark, Michael Parks is in that movie? Is that the actor's name? Am I, I getting it right? I believe so. Okay. Keep talking while um, I look it up. So, so it's the same actor who plays the uh, crazy preacher guy in Red State. That'd be, also, Michael, that'd be Michael Parks. So but he for was, some reason, I don't remember him in Argo, he has but I'm going to look it up. He has a cameo in Argo, and he <laughs> plays Jack Kirby. Oh. And Kevin Smith tweeted this out. He goes, oh, by the way, I just want to give a shout-out to Michael Parks. He played Jack Kirby in Argo. If you guys don't know who Jack Kirby is, he is the legendary comic book artist that, w- along with Stan Lee, as a team, they both created all the Marvel stories and characters we love, essentially. He was around for, um, you know, Fantastic Four, um, not Spider-Man, but the X-Men, like a lot of those classic characters. Anyways... Once Michael I heard, Parks is awesome, by the way. Once I heard that he plays Jack Kirby in this movie, I was like, what is this movie about? Because I yeah. thought it was like a political thing, but... Yeah, he was. Jack I, Kirby's in the cast list right now. And then I kind of like... That's what convinced me to go see the movie. And the fact... And then the whole like fact of like, yeah, it's helping all these... Uh, essentially like... Do I want to call it... It was the hostages, right? It's been a while since I've seen yeah, the movie, so, so I want to make sure it was, using This took right place terms, during the 70s. It was a hostage situation. Um, in Iran. In Iran. Yeah. It was the Iran uh, hostage crisis. <laughs> and Ben Affleck plays, I don't remember, I'd have to look it back up, but it's, yeah. he's either an FBI or a CIA agent that has this idea to make a Hollywood movie over in Iran so the film crew going over are actually agents going to get the hostages out. Yep. But the movie is... They're not actually making the movie. They're just saying that they're making mm-hmm. the movie. So they have, but they have to go through all the press, all the Hollywood, yep. everything to get the movie going, and then go over yep. and rescue the hostage. And that's what it's kind of cool. Like the whole movie was like it looked like it was going to be this generic like Star Wars esque thing, and uh, it was just kind of like a really creative or interesting thing that happened of how they had to rescue these people. And uh, the movies like all the concept art for the movie and stuff was done by Jack Kirby. So yeah. that's what how he fits into the whole thing. Super just interesting, like, well-done movie. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. really cool. <laughs> um, I don't have much more to add other than you do. The movie was fantastic. Right. It, it is very intense at times. Like, there's parts of the movie that are really just, like, fun and lighthearted, and you're just like, I'm in, I'm doing this, this is a cool, like, let's let's go get the hostages yeah. back. And then when you get to the hostage situation, it is very intense. Mm-hmm. Like, the where they have to go through the baggage checks at customs, like, super intense so, sequences at the airport. And, and that's, like, I feel, okay, so I'm glad you brought that up, because I feel like that's the one part of the movie that I feel like the truth was really stretched on. How, oh, like... They, they very well could have been. Yeah. Because I felt like the way they actually escape from Iran, how they bring the hostages out, it's like kind of this crazy like chase scene almost. And when I was watching it and then thinking about the movie, I was like, I bet they really exaggerated that part. They could have. But it is when they say based on a true story, there's got to be some kind mm-hmm. of exaggeration, or maybe they didn't get all the pieces of the, or maybe they didn't get enough of the facts to put together the story properly. But they're still telling the yeah. story. Um, I'm not sure. I just know that. Those airport sequences were really intense. No, I mean, you're right. They were really intense. You know. Yeah. That was a movie that provided, like, everything, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, hey, that brings it back to you. What's your number two? Oh, you're right. So my number two movie is Chronicle. Oh, yeah. Made my shortlist, so. Yeah. This is... um, 
the movie directed by uh, Josh Trank, I believe it is, yep. um, starring a lot of actors who got really big, like Dane DeHaan, uh, Michael B. Jordan is in here. I can't remember who the other actor was who got powers, but it's about three teenage boys who get superpowers. I've talked about it on the podcast. This movie's just super interesting to me because it's about... It's a, it's a superpower movie, but not really a superhero movie. Like, it's kind of more realistic than a lot of superhero movies where it's like, if three teenage boys got superpowers, they probably wouldn't make costumes and put them on and go fight crime. They would probably use the they'd, powers for their own personal gain. Yeah, and they'd probably screw around and whatnot, and then <laughs> yeah. someone would do something they shouldn't, and then it would go from there. Yeah. You know? and, but, uh, and it was all found footage, too. Yeah. So, and, and it was uh, all cell phone footage of them using their powers and mm-hmm. that kind of thing, so... I think because I relate, I related to this movie a lot and I felt like I watched it and I was like, man, I want those powers so bad. But also like this movie sold the power of telekinesis on me. Like I never realized how cool of a power telekinesis would be until I saw this film and it just, it was awesome. Um, uh, keep talking real quick. I, there's a dress trank thing I got to look up because it kind of made it, it got him to make Chronicle as a whole. So Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, Keep talking about that for one second. Otherwise, uh, this movie also, the end is very close to one of uh, my favorite anime films, Akira. I've also talked about this on the podcast before, but I think it's kind of a really cool... I see it more as an yep. homage than a ripoff of Akira, but the movie ends up like kind of being really similar to that and kind of in a really cool way. Um, what did you have to say oh, about no. Josh Trank? So Josh Trank made Chronicle, <laughs> and it's this found footage superhero movie, right? Yeah. I and mean, it's all done with cell phone footage. So the movie that got him, he did a short film. It's on YouTube. Um, he did a short film that basically got him the job to do Chronicle. Nice. Like, he wrote Chronicle, but he wrote the story for Chronicle, but to get him to direct it and stuff like that, it's this short film that basically got him the job. Because I, I heard him talking about this in an interview. The title of the short film is Stabbing at Leia's 22nd Birthday Party. Okay. Which is really interesting, and you're like, what? It's a found footage film. It's yeah. a found footage short titled Stabbing at Leia's 22nd Birthday. What it is is a standard 20-year-old birthday party found footage, and then in the middle of the party, a actual lightsaber battle erupts. <laughs> That's hilarious. And he shot it like really, really tight. So it, there's not, there's actually not a lot of people there. I've watched it. It's really cool. Um, but he shot it so tight, it looks like there's this like massive crowd of people, and this lightsaber battle happens. And it was basically just done for fun. Yeah. But it was because he took the found footage thing and the way he shot the whole thing. So if that's you, great. It's just it's really kind of funny. Um, it's a really cool like way of looking at it. I guess. Awesome. But, yeah. All right. Uh, well, um, my pick. Uh, that brings it to me. Do you have anything on Chronicle before I give you my number two? No. Yeah. I'm uh, <laughs> my number two is Silver Linings Playbook. Okay. Um, I don't. Do you not know? I've never movie? seen this. Do you know I know. Yeah, movie? it's uh, the Jennifer Lawrence movie. Yeah, yeah. This is the this is Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper. Jennifer Lawrence won her uh, uh, Oscar for this film. Um, this movie is it's this is a very touching, heartwarming, like almost like a this. Opposites attract love story kind of a thing. It's written really well, but the actors in this movie are at the top of their game. It is such a joy to watch this movie 
because the actors are so involved in what they're doing and they're so like they're into like everything that's happening on screen they're so involved in it and it shows in their work um it's almost like they shot this movie it's it's almost like the movie's kind of an, an independent movie in a way because of how private everything seems you know, when, when yeah. you do, like, a big-budget thing like Avengers or whatnot, there's a million people standing around. Yeah. This feels like Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper had this scene where it was just them, and they got the camera guy and the director, and that's all that's in the room, and they're, like, in this really, like... And all the scenes are, like, really, like, um, intimate. Yeah. And you can tell that the actors are, like, super involved in their characters and the script, and it's... it. This is, this is, this is one of those movies where the masters... Are showing you why they're so good at their craft. So, and that's right and and it's a movie that I've watched over and over again because it has the rewatchability because of what I just said. And there's these great character beats. I always look at tiny little character beats in movies, but something that really catches my attention. Um, like I was watching Riverdale the other night. There was a really really cool sequence where. And this is mad props to the girl who plays Betty Cooper on that show, but she had to be very upset in a scene, but she had to show this like moment of like um, relief and happiness at the same time of being utterly upset about the news that she just got. Mm. And you could tell she was upset, like masterfully crafted, I'm upset. And then she had this tiny crack of a smile in the middle of it, and it was beautiful it was just the greatest character moment and silver linings playbook is littered with these like perfect like beautiful character moments that the actors that is like perfect choices for the actors um i really like this movie i've always liked it so um, that's awesome i knew it was gonna rank really high on my list when i saw that it was in that year so yeah this is uh this is one of the movies that i really have no excuse for not having seen <laughs> i remember it came out and it got so much hype and uh I didn't see it. I didn't I don't see. Know if, I like, didn't see it for a while right away because yeah. of the hype. And because I of what I said about Avengers, I, I kind of waited a little bit until the hype died. Yeah. But uh, Jen, if you're listening, phenomenal job. Like mad props. Uh, come on the show sometime. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's Silver Linings Playbook. So nice. I do wonder if we're matching our number one pick. So. Um, um, this I, is a movie we haven't talked about yet. I know or at least for a, a fact, movie I haven't talked about. I know yet. for a fact we didn't because The Avengers was my number one pick. Oh, so, yeah. okay. Then <laughs> I've no, already we talked didn't. about how awesome it was seeing it, and I like. I really think that opening opening weekend seeing this movie, there really was like a magic in the air that I don't know if Marvel has recreated or not, but it was just such a cool feeling seeing this movie. It had to be my number one. So. Oh. All right, very cool. Well, my number one is The Dark Knight Rises. Nice. Um, I think you probably thought that's eventually was going to be my number one pick, or at least on. My I knew top it was going to be on your list. Um, I didn't really know after we did our 2019 movies. <laughs> like I thought Solo was going to be on your list that time, and it wasn't. Oh, so that kind of threw me yeah, for a loop. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So. Uh, well, that's because when you get to, like... Now, Solo is a great movie, don't get me wrong, and it probably would have made my list, but then as we got closer to the year and I started seeing Oscar winners and stuff like Oscar push movies, yeah. and I was like, wow, that movie's so good. Um, but Dark Knight Rises, for me, like, I'm a... You know how much I'm a Batman fan, yeah. so there's a little bit of a bias opinion here, but this was the culmination of probably one of the greatest trilogies 
that we've ever had um, in terms of what well, in terms of movies, not just comic book movies, but in terms of movies. This is one of the best trilogies that exists. Origin of a character, third act stuff. I mean, this was right. it's a great movie, but not just the source material. This is one of those great movies of a master at his work. Christopher Nolan put together such a wonderful story, but he also put together such a well-made movie in terms of experimentation, in terms of um, uh, visual effects, in terms of visual language, in terms of, like, everything was so, like, everything looked real, everything looked, you know what I mean? Like, there's so many cool moments in the film, but the movie as a whole, this goes back to what I was saying about Silver Linings, it's just a well, so well-made movie. Mm. And when I put it up against Avengers, yeah, Avengers was more fun, but I don't know if it was nearly as well-made as the Dark Knight Rises, and that's just my, that is no. just my opinion. Um, so, yeah, I actually would agree with what you said because, like, like I said, like <laughs> Avengers, I have some problems with the way it was filmed. Like, I think some of the, like really like cinematography is like a big thing for me, and I feel like there are parts where it does look like almost amateurish during that movie, like the cinematography. But I think it's just like really the feeling and the excitement I had from that movie. Dark Knight Rises, I agree with every single thing you said about that movie, and I really enjoyed it. I have a... I don't know if I'm going to get some crap for this, but <laughs> I honestly really didn't like Bane's voice. Like, the more it oh. comes down to it, like... And the, the funny thing is, I remember seeing the movie, and I, I know they released clips of Bane talking and stuff, and I kind of, like, chose to not watch that. Like, I didn't want any spoilers... And when I first heard his voice in the movie, I felt like it reminded me of Merlin from the Disney Sword in the Stone movie. And, like, oh. that's all I heard the whole time. And I just... It wasn't intimidating to me. Like, I guess for me, I wish they went with a different voice. I loved Bane's voice. And so I, I, I know you did. And I know I've got friends who loved it. I've, I know of some people who didn't like it. Like me, most people I talked to loved the voice. So... I'm kind of feel like I'm the odd man out, but it's just that's all right because of that. It just the movie never is going to rank as high as, for me, especially with how much I loved Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. Like I feel like Dark Knight Rises kind of just doesn't reach that same sure. level for me. That's um, right. But like what you said, like and thinking about it, like the movie was masterfully made, and like other performances, like uh, Anne Hathaway as Catwoman, like I thought she nailed that role like she did such a good job at that and there's like, a there's a cool scene with Anne Hathaway like early in the movie before you really get to see her do a lot of big Catwoman stuff she's got a scene where she has to fake being scared like yeah. she's very in control of what's going on and then the SWAT team runs in she has to go from like in control to like super scared so when the SWAT team yeah, runs no, past I, her I love that, and yeah. then she walks and then she has to go back to her demeanor and leave I'm like it's so cool and that's one of those character things where you just you watched an actor at the top of their game doing yeah. this thing. So No, and I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I also think like the story to uh I think Dark Knight Rises just from a story uh level is just awesome. Like I think it's really well done. The biggest criticism when that movie came out that I heard was uh that people thought it took too long for Batman to get out of that like pit prison that he was in for him to climb out. You know, after well, his well, that that was. I'm not saying I agree with no, it. No, I'm but not. That's I'm what, not going to argue comic book versus screen. I mean, yeah. I see what they're saying, but I mean, the guy's back was broken, and that's how I feel too. And the thing that's funny <laughs> is like 
that was a huge criticism and everybody like i saw somebody actually calculated how many minutes it actually showed him like trying to climb out of the pit and stuff and it was only it was like less than three minutes and like (laughs) i saw the movie and i didn't think that was an issue at all so i just think it's funny that i had an issue with bane's voice but he was he was in the he was in that pit prison thing for a while but his back was broken and he had to heal and stuff like that so you know i but but that was the thing, like, actual screen time of Bruce Wayne trying to get out of there was only, like, three minutes or less, so it was pretty funny, but... It's, it's really amazing how long a minute is when you actually have to film it. You don't truly understand how long 60 seconds is until you have to put it to film, and then you go, oh my god, that was only 10 seconds? You That's know what true, I mean? Yeah. Like, when you have to film stuff, or, like, when we record this show, I'm always, I'm constantly looking at the clock wondering <laughs> how long we've been recording, yeah. so... Um, well, hey, that brings us to the end of the list. Yeah. So, um, what are we doing next week? Yeah. Okay, so... So, what are we doing? Yeah, next week, um, I've been watching a ton of Game of Thrones, and I'm kind of just... It's putting me in a really big, like, medieval fantasy mood. I think you already saw it on my paper. Maybe not what I wanted to do. No, I I didn't. I don't look at your... I don't look at your notes, and I don't think you look at my notes. Yeah. Because Um, because I'm, like, kind of in that mood for that sort of thing, I thought it'd be fun to talk about our top five... Favorite dragons in pop culture. Favorite dragons? Yes. So dragon Um, from anything you want. Yeah. And it's kind of an interesting pick because it seems like there aren't that many, but there really are. I feel like my list is already three full. (laughs) Well, that's good, though. (laughs) I'm just messing with you. Yeah. Um, No, that's that's cool. Let's do dragons. Mm -hmm. Um, So next week we will do our top five favorite dragons. Uh, Very well, um, Viserion, Rhaegal, and Drogon may very well be on my list, but we won't know until next week Yeah, uh, for the Game of Thrones lovers. Um, So check out our website, um, top5report.com. There you will find all the links to our social media, Twitter and Facebook. Um, Please, uh, if you want to interact with the show, send us an email at top5report at gmail.com. If you would like to subscribe to us on iTunes, that'd be awesome because if you subscribe to us, you will not miss a single episode and you can leave us a review. Five stars is awesome, but criticism (laughs) helps because if you leave us a review, it makes the words we say seem important. Um, You can follow me um, on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. It's the same on both. Peter? Uh, At NinjaPierre on Twitter. Great. Um, If you want to hear my... Uh, Avengers thoughts, my initial Avengers thoughts for Avengers Endgame. Please stick around after the uh, um, uh, closing theme song, um, and I will give you that. Uh, this is a little bonus thing for you guys, so stick around, and I'll give you that. If you have not seen the movie, this is a perfect time to stop listening. Um, so for the Top 5 Report, my name's Drew. I'm Peter. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Good night. Just me, Drew. I'm here by myself. Peter has vacated the premises, so here we are um, 
as a little post-credit bonus um, in true Marvel fashion, giving you something at the end of our show. Um, so let's talk about Avengers real quick because um, I have a lot of feelings on this. Uh, so you guys, so I saw it Sunday of opening weekend. I was like very nervous, not sure how to go. It was very kind of somber. Almost felt like I was walking into a funeral in a weird way. Um, I sat down really quietly. A couple guys next to me were talking about movies, so we kind of struck up a conversation with them a little bit before the movie started. And then the movie started, and I was glued to my seat, um, glued to the screen in a level of awe that I didn't expect. The um, I, I need to tell you ahead of time, uh, I'll tell you before I get to some character beats in a minute, but... This movie made me cry multiple times, and I, um, it, I, I'm concerned that I might start crying just talking about this while we're talking. Um, so we'll get some of the big ones out of the way real quick. Um, I went into this movie very um, uh, expecting uh, Iron Man to die right away. Um, I Not a right away, but I was expecting him to go in this movie because we've been with him so long. He's a high-paid actor. He can't play the character forever. I think a lot of us were prepped for Iron Man to go. Um, I was prepared for Captain America to die, but what I wasn't prepared for was how they handled Captain America's exit. Um, if you read uh, House of M, there's a scene with old Captain America uh, where he's an old man Captain America, which is just a beautiful moment of knowing that he got a life. Um, and when you uh, when you see it in the movie, as soon as I realized it was old, like... In the movie, there's the scene at the end where Cap is supposed to, he's going to go back in time to return the stones to their rightful place, and then he's going to come back, and he doesn't. And then Bucky turns around and sees a guy sitting by the pond edge or the lake edge, and he realizes it's Steve. And there's a moment where I know some people will probably like, oh my goodness, it's skinny Steve again, but that's not what we got. I knew before we before the camera turned around, I was like, oh my gosh, they're going to do Old Man Cap, and it's going to be amazing, and this is probably one of the most touching scenes in the movie. Um, I, like, jerked a tear right there. I, I, It really got me. Um, I cried when Tony died. Um, Black Widow. I'm going to get this out of the way now. Um, I was really hoping that was going to turn out a different way uh, because Black Widow is one of my favorites of the Avengers, and... Um, I'm absolutely devastated over the loss of her character. Uh, I, I don't know how they're going to do a Black Widow movie now. I don't understand how that works. I have to trust Marvel because they do such, they're doing such a great job with their movies, but I don't know how it works. Uh, a friend of mine mentioned cameo. I mean, not cameo, but prequel. And um, I don't know how prequels work with Black Widow because if you think about it, Captain Marvel was a prequel, but it still drove the story forward. So the only way a Black Widow movie works for me, if it's a prequel, is if it can still drive the story forward. Um, but I was devastated over the loss of Scarlett Johansson's character. It really, really hit me hard. I wasn't That was the one I really wasn't expecting. Um, and then when I saw the movie for the second time, so I've seen the movie twice now, um, She, I, I'm almost angry that we lost uh, Black Widow. And it's very... Uh, <laughs> true stages of grief, I guess. Um, but that one really hit me hard. Um, so before I start crying, I'm not going to talk about Black Widow anymore. But uh, this movie was something special. From the very beginning of the movie, 
all the way to the end, this was something special. From the opening of the film, when we, when you had, you know, Captain Marvel's like, I got, we're going to go kill Thanos. And she's just like, I'm going to go do it. I'm going to go do it. That's the end of the discussion. And you're like, okay, well, it looks like we're going to go kill Thanos now. Um, the fact that they killed Thanos in like the first 15 minutes of the movie blew my mind. I couldn't believe that was going to be a thing. Not thinking that we were going to get to see Thanos die again. It was kind of the you hate him just as much as we do, so you as an audience are going to get, you want to see him die so bad, we're going to show it to you twice. Um, so it was really interesting to see how the stones took a toll on him. And But when they did the time jump to five years later, knowing that they had to live with everyone vanished for five years and how that all played out and see, getting to see your friends after five years, like where is everybody now? Um the Hulk, I loved what they did with the Hulk, and I didn't love what they did with the Hulk. The thing I loved is the fact that I've been wanting them to get to the Banner-Hulk dual personality um, for a long time now. I've been waiting for Banner and Hulk to like have the, the strength of Hulk but the mind of Banner, um, and I finally got that. I think that was great. What I didn't like with Hulk was I still wanted one big like Hulk out beat someone up kind of a moment at the end. I really wanted Hulk to get into the fight with Thanos, and that just didn't happen, which that's okay. His arm was messed up, but it still would have been cool to see one last Hulk big thing. Um, so, um, and then let's talk about Thor real quick. I'm going to tell you what, this was a really gutsy move by Marvel uh, to put Thor in the situation he was in. And um, he, uh, <laughs> and I really think that was Chris Hemsworth's idea. Like, he's like, hey, Marvel, we're going to do this. Um, you know, I don't, like, they weren't sure what to do with Thor, and Chris Hemsworth said, well, you know what, let's do this, because it could be really funny. And it was. It was fantastic. It was really great seeing, like, Korg and Meek from Thor Ragnarok again. That was a nice surprise. But the thing that really surprised me the most is when they had to do the time travel aspect, and they had to go back in time and get the stones at a different time, so Thanos couldn't get the stones. This is where the movie got really special to me because it went into a history of a 22-film story arc. So the history that we're dealing with is not film history or not comic book history. It's Marvel Cinematic Universe history. So they have to go back to the first Avengers. They have to go back to Thor the Dark World. They have to go back to before Guardians, right, the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy. They have to show you these moments which made the movie really unique. Now, I'm a firm believer that movies have to be able to stand on their own. Because this movie has to be predicated by a 22, 21 film history prior to it, I don't know how well this movie stands by itself if you don't have the history of everything else. I haven't really sat on that bit yet. But what I will say is that the movie by itself was so special. You could The story was so well put together. I cried many times in this movie. Um, I love this movie from top to bottom. Even watching it the second time, like everything is just hits hits right on all the right. It it, it hits on all the levels that it needs to at all the right times. Um, seeing Pierce from uh, seeing director Pierce from the Winter Soldier, seeing the Hydra agents and Captain America in the elevator saying "Hail Hydra," that was so brilliant of them to even look at that and realize that they could be doing those things. Um, so, big mad props to Marvel. Um, you guys really put together something. You guys closed the story. You, you told a story that, you know, 
we all saw, we all realized what you were doing in Avengers 1 when you showed Thanos. And we're like, are we really going to get this? And we trusted you and we believed in you. And here you are. You delivered something. You taught us about continuity. You talked to us about all, you talked about some really, you taught us to sit in the theater and wait for bonus credit scenes. And in this movie, there was no bonus credit scenes. But man, those credits showing all the names and the faces and then seeing the signatures of the actors, just beautiful. Everything about this movie was beautiful. Um, there's one criticism I have of this film that uh, it, it kind of, I think this bit, and I know people might disagree with me, but it's the part where uh, Captain America says Avengers assemble. Um, my thing with that moment is I know, I understand that Steve uh, Steve Rogers saying Avengers Assemble is a hugely iconic moment. It is a very important moment. It's a very deep moment. It's something that has to be there. Absolutely has to be there. But my big thing against it is that I feel that it would have had more weight had he said that in previous films leading up to this one. I think if he said it right in the battle, um, in the Battle of New York and Avengers 1, that would have been amazing because you would have gotten into that moment because it's an iconic moment. Avengers assemble, let's go, and we fight the, Chita the Chitari. Then in uh, Avengers Age of Ultron, when they get to the end and he's about to say Avengers assemble, but he doesn't because he gets cut off by the credits. It was an editing choice to not have him say that there. That kind of bugs me that like he almost said it, but he didn't. A couple times... Three or four times of him saying Avengers Assemble would have been great because this final moment when you realize that Hulk snapped everyone back into existence and everyone came back, you know, and Falcon's like, hey, Cap, on your left. And then he turns around and here comes Black Panther out of the portal and here comes the Guardians of the Galaxy and Spider-Man out of the other portal and here comes Falcon and here comes, you know, Bucky and Scarlet Witch and everyone's coming back for the big battle at the end. And Captain America says, Avengers Assemble. I really feel that if you had the build-up to that moment from the previous films of him saying this over and over again, it wouldn't have been a cliche so much that it would have been such a... It would have been an iconic moment that I would have rolled a tear hearing him say it. My feeling when I heard him say it was, why haven't you said that in the past? So I don't feel like it landed as well as it could have if you had the build-up to it. Um, I could be totally wrong. It's just my opinion. But the movie is absolutely beautiful. Um, I loved how every character got their moment. Um, there were so many fight scenes. It was just character moment after character moment after character moment in the big battle itself. The fact that Captain America was able to wield Thor's hammer because if you think about it, in Avengers Age of Ultron, Captain America could pick up Thor's hammer. He just didn't because he didn't want to take it away from Thor. But we all know Cap's worthy. And that was so cool to see Thor say, I knew it when that happened. Um, just wonderful. Um, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Like I said, this is a big bonus thing. Peter and I next week are going to really deep dive into the movie and discuss more because he's seeing it uh, tomorrow or as we speak. Um, so um, I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, but um, such a wonderful film, and I honestly can't wait to see it again. And I can't wait till I get it at home so I can watch it on, so it can just be on my house and repeat for like a month. Um, so thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for staying after the after show. Um, so everyone, uh, have a good night. We'll see you next week. Bye.